I'm Evan DeWald, and I am joined by Tara Lindsley, and we are the voices behind the Unpacked Podcast. On the Unpacked Podcast, one of the things we love to do is talk about life and storytelling, and sometimes life gets messy and vulnerable and all those things. So we have conversations, conversations with counselors, with psychologists, with industry leaders, storytellers, and just regular humans that are making a difference in the world. Yeah, and we're just hoping to grow and reflect and heal together. So you can find our podcast anywhere you subscribe to your podcasts. New episodes come out every Thursday. Enjoy. Make sure to like and subscribe. See you there. Hey, Tara. Hey. How are you this week? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah? Doing okay. Yeah, you know what's fun? This week, got a new furnace in. What? Well, new to me furnace. It's actually an old furnace (laughs) I got, but it's newer. Wow. Can you tell? It's pumping out the heat in this room. I actually was quite warm today. Yeah, that's why. Also, why did that come up so fast? Firsts. You know, it's the first time I've ever put a furnace in. (laughs) You can't make that connection? Hello? Uh, but no other firsts. Did you have any firsts this week? I perhaps had a first this week. You did. We were at a birthday party, like you and me and Matt. And everybody kept dropping like flies. So it was just the three of us with <laughs> yes. some other people. All our friends were like, nope, can't go, can't yep. go. Like, okay, no. okay, so we go. And they had some like interesting pets that I wouldn't choose. Yeah, they're interesting pets that you wouldn't pet. That you wouldn't pet, but they were walking around the party very close to me, which was quite alarming. Okay. Well, let's face it. Everything was very close at that party. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is a young couple. Yeah. Just sitting out. So, you know, small place. Yeah. Which is no judgment. That's how we all had to start out, right? Yeah. We all started that way. But there was um, a couple frogs and a lizard floating around and... I was keeping very close track of them. I noticed. I absolutely (laughs) noticed. That's why I told Taylor, you know what? I think Tara needs to hold that. And the choice was to let you continue, you and Matt, continue to mess with me potentially. (laughs) Or hold the dumb lizard. Yeah. I got a video of it. (laughs) Your face. I was freaking out. Uh, Oh, your your face looked completely calm. No, it didn't. Not. (laughs) Okay, this is my favorite part. She gives you the lizard and then she, you know, she was pretty excited about a lot of things. That night, yeah. And then I'm videoing it and then she walked away. Yeah. <laughs> just standing there like, oh my, God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I already was like sweating when I was about to take it from her. And I didn't realize, you know, that moment where you're like standing on the edge of a cliff and you feel like, woo, like you get that. That's like what just happened to me. I was like, I might fall. <laughs> Like something, something terrible might happen right now. Confession time. It's confession time. Okay. Every part of me really wanted that thing to take off running up your arm. (laughs) I was terrified it would for the way I was holding it too. I knew I wasn't like touching it in the way that we You were touching it the least amount you possibly could. Yes. Which also gave it lots of freedom. And too much freedom, but I couldn't bring myself (laughs) to close my hand. I didn't like it. So I'm not, it's, you know, we've confirmed. That's not a pet I'm having in my house. And you're going to post this video, right? Like we're going to see it, right? Yeah. Like I videoed it for a reason. I know. I'll share it. I'll share it. Also, I, you did tell me you want credit when Taylor walked away and I freaked out because I was done. Yeah. You did freak out a bit there. And I took it. You took it. I took it. Immediately. I I don't like lizards either. I know. (laughs) But I was willing to take it. But you could at least pretend to be calm. I could not pretend to be calm. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get rid of it? She came back. No, somebody came running over and didn't think I was holding it quite right. No, actually, everybody wanted to hold it except you. So, and me. Right. Yeah. But you didn't make that super clear. So I did it. I did the thing I didn't want to do. You did the thing you didn't want to do. And you did great. And it's on video now. It's going to go viral. I'm sure of it. Uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. There was a the the look of... When you realized that Taylor had walked away, there was a look on your face of, I'm not sure if it was terror or anger. I think. Maybe each. A bit of both. A bit of both. I felt betrayed. (laughs) Betrayed. (laughs) Went straight to betrayal. (laughs) Uh, Learn anything new this week? What? What are you setting me up for? (laughs) Well, well, we, we, uh, (laughs) we, uh, we went on a trip, Uh which meant we were, you know, countless hours. Together, yes. Together. And yeah. there was a few moments when I was teaching you some 
some really important things. Oh, well, I didn't learn that this week, but you you had been hunting, you and Otto. Yes. In the fall. And so the three of us were having lunch when, in one of the air, many airports we were in. That's right. I don't remember how this came up. I'm not sure. Well, uh, how, uh, how do people, how do we know how anything comes up? <laughs> <laughs> but somehow we were talking about hunting and being in the woods and camping. And trying new things. And trying new things. Yeah, and Otto had to try a new thing. Which was? Pooping in the bush. (laughs) (laughs) And then I said, I've never done that. Which I don't know why you were shocked by, but you were. Everyone should try pooping in the bush once in their life, I think. I don't know why that's an experience I need to have. But I did learn from you. There are a lot of strategies. Yes, I went into a full full scale. It it was too bad I didn't have my laptop on me because I could have pulled out and done a full presentation on all the <laughs> different ways that you could poop in the bush. Okay, so what are they again? Because you had me laughing really hard, but also I had no idea there were so many choices to this. Yeah, well, I was making it up, so I'm not sure I can remember all of them, but there was definitely the hangover the log, the cliffhanger, mm-hmm. we call it. <laughs> Oh, the things you get to learn on Unpacked. Are we going to have to change the rating on this episode? I don't know. I was just like, this is so gross. <laughs> I, I'm loving it. Like, I'm all about junior high fun. Uh, Otto was really, we had a good laugh about it. Yeah, it was all really funny. He was, he thought it was quite funny. <laughs> oh, man, I love it where this, this intro is gone. Again, oh, off man. the rails again. You know what else was off the rails this week? What? Um, You committed a crime and you made me an accomplice to it. Oh, barely. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. <laughs> it was a petty crime. Totally. I'm not actually saying I'm actually that upset about it. I just was like, I didn't know we were in it. But I feel like when you commit a crime, you should always have someone like on the phone helping just like in the background, right? Yeah. Which was the case you were on the phone. Yeah. And I was like, uh, one sec. I just, just You just left. I could hear you like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I'd, you know, jump back in the truck. I was like, I just stole the pallet. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes you did so that was another first for us exactly. <laughs> life week. of crime start a life of crime together that's what that's will be the next one life unpacked life of crime Ooh, that's a good series name you, you know what we should do we should do a series that's like just we could come up with themes yeah we could we, it would be fun it would be fun um this week yeah uh who do we got this week tessie flood tessie flood she's a coach but she works with People in the medical cl- medical field. Yeah, nurses exclusively. Her company is called Come Assemble. Well, I'm looking forward to that conversation. Well, you were in it. It was a while ago that we recorded it. Yeah, it was. She talked all about um, her former career as a nurse and using all of that knowledge now to help other nurses share that knowledge, build community, connect with each other, and avoid burnout. We care a lot about all of those things, actually. And and uh, so we we also, as we intro this episode, I just got to say, we do actually care a lot about connection. And so we love it. And you like subscribe, share and do all those kinds of things. And even when you tell us on Instagram or somewhere else that you listen or share an episode. For example, if you have somebody that's going camping this week, this would be a great episode to share. Oh, my gosh. Poor Tessie. This is her intro. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she's, she was fun. And, uh, I I hope that this is, a not just a good conversation for you in terms of like thinking about connection and burnout in whatever field it is that you work in, but also that it grows for you a bit of a heart for those who are working in our medical, medical areas and fields, because I think it's a hard job and it's a heavy job. We've even had a little bit of medical stuff this week with some of our trip past trip to Haiti and, and, uh, it's heavy mm-hmm. to, to work with kind of some of the unknowns of what's happening in patients' lives and, and you're still human too. So you're still living and trying to do your life as well. So anyways, give a shout out to all the medical workers that are out there doing their thing. Uh, also we'd love for you to, uh, hang out afterwards and listen to our Patreon account and, uh, maybe even consider supporting us financially as we kind of continue to do our thing here on Unpacked. Enjoy this episode with Tessie. Today. Yeah. This is going to be interesting. I'm excited. I know nothing about this person. Well, I know a bit. (laughs) Partly because I don't read my emails. (laughs) (laughs) That too. That too. Tessie Flood. Your company name is Assemble. 
And we want to hear a little bit about your story. And then we want to hear a little bit about Assemble and kind of how, how you started this thing and why. Does that sound, does that sound good? This is a question I always ask people when we kind of kick it off. It's like, if you were to give us the snapshot of who you are today, like we'll ask you, you know, all the questions about your childhood in a second, but who you are today, who are you today? What are the facts about you? Oh, that's a good one. What are the facts about me? I'm a lifelong learner. I am a very curious person. I like to solve problems. And I have a passion for living, for learning, for growing, and just trying to become the best version of Tessie that I can be. Oh, I love that. I love that. And where in the world is Tessie? Tessie's in New York City. I actually grew up in Canada. I, you know, split my childhood between Vancouver and Calgary. And I attended the University of Alberta and worked as a nurse, started my nursing career in Calgary, and then had an idea, had a plan to travel nurse throughout the U.S. And I did one travel assignment in New York, moved there, and thought this would be a temporary thing, just enjoy the city. And I've built my entire life here. Ten years later, I call it home. Ten years you've been there. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So you went there. What does travel nurse mean? Yeah. So travel nursing is when you, it's kind of like temping, but for nurses. So you can do short-term contracts where you already have built expertise and experience in different institutions where they have a gap in their staffing or in their um, a shortage of nurses. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so, you know, you it allows the nurse to try out new environments, to travel, and it also allows um, an institution to quickly bring in an expert or a nurse that's needed in that environment. Cool. So what was, did you have an expertise then, like a specialty that you were working on and what, what was it? Yeah, I've spent my entire career in pediatric critical care. It's my passion. And so I started in the neonatal ICU, sometimes called the NICU. And that's where I, that's how I started travel nursing. So I worked in the NICU um, at the Foothills in Calgary for a few years before travel nursing as a NICU nurse. And then I transitioned to some different leadership positions and then transitioned to congenital cardiac ICU. So kids that have congenital cardiac defects that require open heart surgery and spent a lot of my career with that population. Wow. That's intense. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah. And needed right? Like I would assume not as many people go into those kind of fields. Yeah. Critical care is, it's an intense environment. I think hospitals in general are highly stressful dynamic environments, but I like to say that if you were to imagine what it feels like to work in an ICU, imagine meeting someone on the worst day of their life every single day. Hmm. You're caring for people that are losing their children, their parents, their siblings, or someone who they care for deeply that's on potentially maximal you know, medical support. And that's what you're living day in and day out. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's intense. Well, I have a few questions around that then. The, well, the first, the first thing is like, I think it's, I think anytime you add the child, the child component in, there is something about it that just adds a layer of weight to it. Uh, for me, that's always that was always the case for me in, in kind of my previous occupation and some of those kind of things. But and the added tension of weight to it then also adds on how do you how do you take care of yourself? Because my my assumption would be, you know, in your career as a nurse, and we're gonna get into kind of what you're doing now, but like your career as a nurse, what what were their practices or were there things that you came to learn about yourself and how how you managed some of the hard stories and the difficult days? Yeah, definitely. When you're in that unique environment, it's essential to find the right coping skills to build a long-term career. Community is a huge piece of that. Having strong relationships with other individuals who share that lived experience is essential. You know, I used to always joke with my friends that, you know, my colleagues that if I came home from work and I tried to share my day with my partner, it was like a stop and start. Like I had this day and I had a patient in a giraffe. Whoa, whoa, what's a giraffe? 
Oh, it's a warmer. Okay. Anyway. And then I, the patient code, Oh, what's a code. And so if you don't have that rich context, it's really hard to connect. And that's why having those strong relationships with your coworkers or with nurses more broadly is so important and so impactful to your ability to continue to live in the nursing environment and the community. Mm. Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah. 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 Well, and then if, if they know all the code, all the stuff, I don't mean the code, but they know the code of what you're talking about, then you can actually get to the stuff that's actually you're trying to process through and figure out. And Exactly. Total sense too. Mm-hmm. Can we go back and ask you like, what brought you into nursing? Yeah. Yeah. Like what, how did you come to that and why the pediatric area? Part of what brought me into nursing is that lifelong learning, that curiosity. I love complex sciences. And that's a common thread I've heard from a lot of nurses that are in the profession. I knew I wanted to enter a career where there was an element of human connection and had had, you know, healthcare at the front of my mind. And I'm one of four daughters. I'm the youngest of four girls in my family. And one of my older sisters got really sick when I was growing up, spent a lot of time actually in a pediatric critical care environment. And that was when I was first exposed to the impact of the nurse. That's who we saw every single day. That's who, you know, helped me wash my sister's hair. That's who explained what was going on or got me popsicles and answered all my, my parents' questions And that was when I saw the impact you not only have on patients as a nurse, but on the entire family. And that experience is what really inspired me to become a nurse. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. That is a good question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really good question. So at what, how old were you when that was happening? Yeah, I think I was in grade seven, maybe. Yeah. So did you know you were going to be a nurse from that point on? Yes, I knew that I knew that nursing stood out. What was challenging for me was that I didn't know any other nurses. No one in my my family or in my life was a nurse. And so that remained a challenge until I entered into university and was able to form connections with other individuals in nursing. But there was you know, somewhat of this advantage that others had when, you know, maybe their mom was a nurse or their sister was a nurse. So they had exposure to this lifestyle that I never had. And that was part of what inspired me to build Assemble. There's just such power and impact when you increase access to not only opportunity, but people. Okay. So before we get to Assemble, what in the end... Do you have any like successful stories? I know you can't talk about individuals, but any successful patients where, you know, they, they leave the hospital and you feel like you're basically another parent who's so happy to see them go on. And do you have a story around that? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, nurses have such a profound impact on their patients, but the same is true about our patients on us. And there's, you know, countless families over the years that, you know, stay in my heart. There's definitely um, a few that stick out. I connected with this family on their first day. Their child was airlifted to our institution. And so this was not a condition they knew about prior to delivery. So this was like a true crisis right after delivering their child, which was, you know, supposed to be a joyous event. And I admitted their, their infant into the hospital and cared for them consistently throughout their course. And in a weird twist of fate, I, I didn't recognize it in the moment, but a few days later, the mom approached me and said, I... I was a teacher at your high school. And so I care, I, you know, I was like, Oh, are you sure you're okay with me caring for your child? And, and, um, she was completely comfortable with it, but it was just a weird serendipitous meeting and her child ended up doing great and being discharged. But every year they return to the, um, 
to the NICU and the, the daughter asks for blankets for her birthday. And every year they deliver blankets to the neonatal ICU. Hmm. Oh, I love that. That's really cool. I love that. Yeah. yeah. It is weird, you know, I, because you're, I was assuming that was here in Alberta or in BC somewhere when that happened. Right. And it's like, it's a funny thing because it's a small world. It's a much smaller world than we think it is. You know, and, and it is an interesting thing how sometimes people come across, you, you know, they influence you in your life and you end up turning around and caring for them in different ways or unique ways. And in and, and their, you know, obviously some of their most traumatic events. Wow. What was it like when you, like, if you didn't have anyone in your life to understand really what the full picture of nursing was like, like, and even university, they give you some practical experiences. But then once we were in your career, what was that like? Was it what you expected? Were you prepared for that? Or was it? quite a shock to have to adjust how to live the lifestyle of a nurse. Yeah, I think as a nursing community, this is actually something we're still challenged with. How do you accurately represent the role of a nurse through your educational training? I don't think we're there yet. There's still a lot of connection um, that needs to be made. I was very fortunate. I had a really great preceptor and mentor when I first graduated. And when I, um, you know, landed my first role in the new nail ICU, who really taught me a lot and just took extra time after shift, before shift to explain things, answer my questions, help me really guide my learning. And that had a huge impact on my ability to become an expert and to become a professional and to really thrive as a nurse. Hmm. Hmm. Was it safe to fail? Like what, like, I know it's like not safe to fail as like a nurse. Like I, that's a, like, obviously don't hurt anyone, but people make mistakes at their jobs all the time. And it, the, you know, stakes are really high for nurses, but how, how did that work with them too? A hundred percent. It was, def- I mean, I made mistakes. That's something we're trying to change that I really want to change. Nurses are humans and we do make mistakes. What's so important is that we have to destigmatize that to allow us to fully learn from those experiences, to improve the safety of our practice and improve the safety of our healthcare environments. And yeah, when I was a a new nurse, um, I definitely had a preceptor who created a safe, safe environment that I could ask, you know, questions, or if I didn't do something hundred percent correctly, would, would help me figure out how to not do that again. This might be too much, but I am curious to know, are there, in my, in my career of, caring for people, I also had really difficult stories, like the kind of stories that stuck with you and, and have stuck with me throughout my, the rest of my life. I don't know if Tessie knows you're a pastor. That okay. might be helpful for I her to know like pastor, how so intense I, it was for you. I was a pastor, so I was in hospitals, sometimes doing some really hard things, just like you were, I'm sure. And other, other areas of people who are in crisis. Like I got to meet a lot of people on their worst day, to be honest with you. And so, but I, I'm wondering, and there were some, and sometimes I could do it. Like, this is what was so interesting. It's like, I, I had to do a lot of funerals over the course of the 30-year career. And it's like, sometimes I could do it. I could walk into a family. I could do my job. I could do it very professionally. And I could go home. And I was okay. Sometimes, and not always knowing why, not always knowing why, sometimes I would make a, a deeper connection with the family or with an individual or something like that. And... And then when things inevitably went wrong or whatever, I I ended up taking a lot of that home with me. Here's what's interesting. I'd like to say that I wish that had never happened. However, it was those, it's those stories that, that made me and reminded me that I'm human and that I'm alive. And I'm not all for leaning into painful things. That's not what I'm saying, but I am saying I learned a great deal about having to care for people and finding myself getting attached to some of those people, those same individuals. You know, like you said, we all need community. And and sometimes the very people we care for become a part of that community, at least for a short period of time, maybe in some cases. Do you have stories like that? Like, are there stories that didn't go as well as you wish they had that are, that you carry? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I think, you know, you'd mentioned that like pediatric environments have an added layer of complexity. And I just think that there's, there's a certain amount of acceptance or normalization that occurs with someone who's later in their life older and they're faced with, you know, medical 
complexity or death. And there's this, you know, moral distress that arises when you see the frequent loss of children at their early, early in their life from loving, you know, loving families and moral distress is, you know, contributes to burnout in nurses that, that empathy, that superpower, that drive to connect to others and to understand their experiences. Yes. Can help you become a phenomenal nurse, but it can also create a lot of burden and distress. And so I think understanding that the same amount of compassion we show our patients, we really need to show ourselves Hmm. because nurses tend to put their patients first and we're somewhere, you know, mid to low end of the list. And so the importance of really putting yourself first will not only help you, but will help you in your career and your patients in the long term. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't do your job very long because you're carrying too much. That that's a long-term effect on even our healthcare system. What do you think? And then and then let's talk. Then let's get into like talking a little bit about about your your company and kind of what you're up to. What do you think? Most people don't see nurses until they need them. What do you think that the average person needs to know? Like we're we're in the like I know you're in New York now. I'm assuming you know a little bit of kind of what's happening here in our country around healthcare, in particular in Alberta, around healthcare. And it's not great. It's not really great. I don't think we're treating our nurses very well. What do you think that the the average person in our population needs to know about nurses? Yeah, great question. I mean, the the challenges that exist in healthcare as it pertains to nursing are not unique to Canada or the US. I think this is a, a global issue. But as we think about North America, as we have very similar healthcare structures in some ways, at its core, nurses are not seen and supported in the right way. This is visible through burnout, strikes, turnover, all of these issues. And what's crucial for everyone to understand is that while nursing is a labor-intensive role, it requires an immense amount of clinical knowledge. So nurses are operating in extremely stressful, highly dynamic environments every single day. Hey, Tara. Hey. Hey, did you know it that at the heart of our city lies an organization that is making a profound impact on the lives of women in need? The Chesmere Women's Crisis Society is more than a nonprofit. It's a beacon of hope, a sanctuary of support. They, they provide resources like counseling, legal aid, vital supports. They're not just meeting the immediate needs, but they're meeting the long-term needs. They're igniting a spark of empowerment in every woman they serve. I love that. And it doesn't stop there. This organization understands that true change happens when communities come together. And when we stand up to harm and injustice, we're not just building a better city here. We're building a safer, more compassionate future. But here's the truth. Healthy people make healthy communities. And it's our responsibility to create those safe spaces with dignity and respect. It's more than just about helping people. It's about healing people. It's about pre- prevention. So let's let's get started. Let's get standing beside these people and behind these people. Let's support the Chesmere Women's Crisis Society by sharing their story, by getting involved with, with them and volunteering and by donating. The story continues because of you. You can learn more at cwcshelps.com. And when we only talk about, oh, well, nurses work 12-hour shifts or they work overnight and we focus on the physical aspects of the role, we're ignoring the complexity of the nursing role and the responsibilities. Nurses need to be able to fully understand conditions, how that translates into symptom presentation in order to escalate and truly guide care for their patients. They have to be able to build relationships with family members on the hardest days of their lives, de-escalating them, supporting them. They have to be able to be teachers, teaching our patients the proper education so they can care for themselves after they leave, you know, the healthcare facility. And this, the un- like, are we're not acknowledging the true complexity and the holistic nursing role. We're focusing on a piece, and that's the biggest problem. Hmm. 
Wow. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It, it, it kind of shakes down to like, we all have an assumption of what each occupation does. And we leave out all these other important things, right? And how people operate. Even just the inter, interpersonal stuff of how you how a nurse deals with not just the patient, but the family of the patient is is a skill. It's a people skill. Oh, definitely. Tell us a little bit of what you're up to. So assemble, like, what is this? What, what, what is it? And then, and then we should hear like, why? Yeah. So what is it and why? Yeah. So assemble is a platform for nurses. We connect nurses to professional development, personal development, and community, which is key. And that goes along with our mission of really supporting the nursing role holistically, understanding nurses in a way that no one else does. And this really came from my, you know, decade plus of time as a nurse, really understanding what are the key pieces that are those differentiators to help nurses not only show up every day, but show up as their best. And so at Assemble, we are a platform for nurses to not only learn, but connect and grow together. Really building on that, you know, lived shared experience and the expertise that nurses hold that can really create such meaningful impact in healthcare. Okay. Hmm. And how did you come up with this? What, what was there, was there inciting? We, I talk lots when we do story work, like there's sometimes an inciting incident, you know, that gets somebody going on, on an area that, that they grow into a, a real passion project or a real business or, or a nonprofit or kind of whatever that might be. Was there, you know, why, why did, why, why you, what happened? Yeah, I think, um, so I'm a second time founder. I founded my own company before I've, always been passionate about building community and resources around female-led groups. There's such a lift in society when we support this population. And my first company was around supporting women in the postpartum period. I think we still have a lot to work, a lot of work to do as society um, in this area. And when I think about the transformation and the impact we can have when we support nurses, it's exciting to me. And like I said previously, I am a problem solver and I want, I'm passionate about solving this problem because I deeply understand it. Hmm. 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 Um, deeply understand it personally, or you just watch so many colleagues burn out. You deeply understand it personally yourself. Like you went through, obviously you went through lots of challenges that that's, that's a given. Was this mostly about your own sense of feeling not supported, not encouraged in this area, or was it really watching colleagues and and friends leaving the industry because of burnout because they weren't cared for? Like, yeah, I think there's lived experience and there's earned experience both. When we think about assemble, part of it is my own experience, and then I would say I'm a I'm an internal optimist. So in contrast to saying. I've seen the burnout. I would say I've seen the power. And so I've seen the power of supporting nurses as professionals and viewing them as experts and giving them the right tools. And that's what's exciting to me is coaching nurses, supporting nurses, and seeing the impact that has on their career and on the way they're able to show up for their patients. Okay. Hmm. And what was that transition like? Because you have left nursing. So what was that like? Was that a hard experience to leave or was it time to leave? Like why start a company now? Also, it's interesting that you're starting it now after a pandemic that was so taxing, particularly on nurses. I actually started it before the pandemic. Oh, okay. So I started working on Assemble. I started coaching nurses, understanding what are the right resources for nurses that truly help them in a meaningful way. And then thinking about, okay, how do I use technology to create the scale and the impact that I, that I really want to achieve here? I started doing this before pan the pandemic because there was a need for this. The pandemic mm -hmm. just exacerbated the totally. already existing problem. And so I would go to, you know, 12 hour shifts at the hospital during COVID 
And then I would come home and I would coach nurses for free on my off time. And so this was something that I wanted to prove the value and wanted to prove the need before I dedicated, you know, my life, my every day to. And so this wasn't something that I just decided, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to quit. I'm going to go become a founder. It was really something that I worked on until kind of the scales had to tip in order to give it my full energy to really see the impact and, and the growth that I wanted. Mm -hmm. Cool. But I'll always be a nurse. That's like, you know, a piece of a piece of me. It's not all of me, but it's a piece of me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am, I am. So I'm curious to know what does it look like? So it's like, so for any nurse who's listening, what, what does this mean? Like, do you do individual coaching? Are you, are you expanding out across the country in terms of like groups? What does that look like? Are your groups zoom meetings or do you do person in person meetings? Like what is this about? How does it work? Yeah. So although I started with individual coaching, what I found was that there was just reoccurring themes that every nurse was dealing with. And after we worked through those, there was the inevitable question of, am I alone in this? Has anyone else worked through this? Do Has anyone else tried? Have you tried strategies that have been effective? And so there was this clear desire for connection with others. And that's where it really, really helped guide and transform the platform, which is assembled today, which is, you know, platform is just a fancy word for a website, um, <laughs> but a website where nurses can log on, create a profile and connect with others. And so there's, there's different ways. And there was a lot of thought put into the experience on the platform. We want to accommodate all different types of learning styles, all different types of individuals and allow nurses to truly meet the needs of their, meet their own needs because nurses are again, experienced professionals. We're not superheroes, we're experts. And so creating a professional environment for these individuals Nurses can log on, they can consume content in written and video content that is all created by other nurses. Assemble is for nurses by nurses. You have to live it. You have to have that context in order to share your knowledge and truly have that connection and impact we're looking for. There is an intense amount of interprofessional trust that exists in nurses and we want to honor that on the platform. And so all of the content is created by other nurses. You can also jump into live sessions, which are group sessions, because we know people want to learn together and get that peer support as well with our coaches who are also nurses. And so we truly are for nurses by nurses. They can consume content that meets their needs of learning that appeals to them. And they can also connect with each other directly. Okay. So when you say consume content, is this like, like professional content? Is this personal growth and development content? Or is it all about all of the above? And, and if it's all of the above, who, what do you find is most accessed? Like mm-hmm. when, when nurses are coming on? Yeah, we have a focus on professional development. And so we just did a huge focus on making a mistake. And so that translates to the platform with stories that nurses had shared either through being named author or anonymous, because there's still that stigma around making a mistake. So there's the story sharing. That's a key element of assemble. There's also tips. So video and written tips of nurses sharing how you can improve your practice, how you can recover from making a mistake. And then we have group sessions where we talk about what's the anatomy of an error. How do you understand a mistake? How do you truly learn from an experience, understand how to get to that root cause analysis and improve from there? How do you forgive yourself? How do you decrease the stigma? And so all of that translates into whether it's a a video piece, a written piece or or a live session. And so it's really focused on the the professional skills that, that nurses need to succeed There's tons of clinical support in hospital institutions on those tasks, like clinical skills, whether it's starting an IV or charting or, you know, 
medication administration, but what's really missing is that that professional piece to the role. Okay. So most most people would be logging onto your site then and just looking up what's important to them, like what they feel they need. It's not like they're all people are entering through one track and then being taken through some course. Exactly. No. No. It's a nurses have can have a personalized individual experience. I hmm. love it. Yeah. I love it. So how long have you been doing it? So we are a venture-backed company. So we've been fully incorporated since last fall. It's been under 12 months. And it's working. Yeah. We have some great hospital partners. We will be releasing our platform to nurses everywhere by the end of the year, which is really exciting. Really mission aligned with increasing access to nurses everywhere. And we have a growing team here, which is fun. Yeah. That is awesome. You have um, also a value of like storytelling and you mentioned that too, in some of the ways and even bringing in nurses that know and have the context of the experience for you. Why was storytelling important to include in this? Growing up, my dad used to, you know, either read us a book before bed or tell us a story. And it was through his stories, you know, I didn't know this at the time that I first began to understand the values of integrity and honesty and decision-making and storytelling is an effective type of learning for everyone, whether you're auditory, kinesthetic or visual. And what's interesting about storytelling is that if you learn data through a story, you're 20 times more likely to retain that than if you just hear that piece of data. And so not only is this extremely effective and creates great connection, but most importantly, this is the way nurses tell us they want to connect and they want to learn. And so not only is it efficient and really compelling, but when we look at our user data, when we talk to our nurses that are on our platform, time and time again, it's the storytelling aspect that really resonates with them. And I think it's just building on that unique lived experience. You know, making a mistake in other industries doesn't cost someone their life. And so it's so important that you have someone to connect to that understands the magnitude of your role and of your job. Okay. So people can't see you, but you just started, people can't see you in this because uh, it's total podcast. We're not going to show your image. But I want to, I want to point, I got to point out something to our listeners because just now you started talking about the value of storytelling and you lit up, like lit up more <laughs> than any other part of our, of our conversation so far. So well, I was getting ready to wrap it up, but now, now I, I now I want more. So I, I love that you told a story about your dad yeah, and that, that he taught you some of those kind of things via storytelling and that you're incorporating it into this kind of important work that you're doing. Is there a story that you go to? That's like a story that you typically tell nurses that you think we should hear. There's a collection of stories that are either my own or I've heard from others that I share frequently. Reminds me of this fabulous nurse I worked with who used to always say to every single parent, it's not an if, it's a when. You will get to the end of your rope. You will be so stressed and so frustrated that you want to shake your child. You just put them down and walk away and know that it's okay. And lots of times new parents would brush her off and be like, oh, no, no. And she's like, no, 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 look at me. It will happen to you because you're human and it's okay. But you put the baby down. And that messaging was so impactful, even just as a fellow nurse hearing that, that I, that I adopted that into my practice and would educate parents that way in that, you know, removing any blame or guilt around it and just creating a safe space that so this, this might be you one day, but this, here's a tool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would say one story that I tell a lot. So my, my sister, when she was really sick, was a really difficult IV start. And so she, I remember people just nurse after nurse, they had a really hard time getting IVs in her. And so because of that, I 
became determined on becoming an expert at IV placement. And I would say I did. I did become the go-to expert on IV placement. But when I was first starting to learn, I had a new patient and I was still in orientation. And there was this rule that you could only have two attempts at IV insertion just to decrease, you know, any noxious stimuli to infants. It makes sense. You want to escalate for expertise. And I had tried once and I missed. And I turned to my preceptor at the time and I said, I don't know about this. I, I think you just better go because I don't think I'm going to get it. And she turned to me and said, what if you do? And just that like reframing and, and thinking and with a positive mindset, I then tried again and got the IV successfully. And so that experience, that outlook shift was really impactful for me. And that's how I like to teach others of what, think about the best you can be first. And what happens if you succeed? Instead of thinking about what happens if I fail, what happens if you succeed? I love it. And that, that's true for more than just IV placement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you know, how often do we, do we decide not to try something or try something again for fear of, of failure or causing more pain or, or making something worse or failure? Failure, just straight up, right? And uh, yeah, that, that's a great story. Very, yeah. very good story. Um, as we kind of get ready to wrap up, what, what are the things that you want people to know? We're going to have, we're going to have lots of people listening. We have regular people like not nurses being irregular people. And then we're going to have regular nurses listening. What would you want to say to each of them? Uh, not just about what you do, but as a, as a word of encouragement. Yeah, I would say one of my my missions is just changing the narrative around nursing. So I would say to to both groups, to everyone, that nurses are not superheroes. They are experts. They are a group of compassionate, empathetic, hardworking, intelligent individuals, and they deserve to be treated that way. And so please do not call nurses superheroes. They're humans. They're experts and professionals. And let's refer to them that way. Mm. You've said that a few times. What's that about? Like, why is that a, not a good thing to say to a nurse? It doesn't acknowledge that they're a human or that they've spent years on their craft, that they are an expert in what they do in the same way that other industries have professionals and experts. And it dehumanizes them so that they, they aren't seen as someone who can make a mistake or someone who can take time for themselves, right? Superheroes actually devote their entire lives to something. Nurses need to actually care for themselves too. And so there's a, there's a lot of different dynamics and just harm that comes from using the term superhero when in reality, it's coming from a good place. You see the power and the impact that nurses have. And so there's no, you know, guilt or I'm not trying to shame people who have used that terminology. My family's used that terminology before because they're excited about the power of nursing. But I think when we know better, we do better, right? I haven't needed a nurse in a little while. Thank goodness. <laughs> but I, I have in the in my past and I do have definitely have some of my favorite nurses that have, have really helped me in some real painful moments of my, my life, physically painful moments. So I absolutely appreciate that. And I would appreciate, I do appreciate that they came to me as a human. So I would, I will do my best the next time this happens to treat others, to treat nurses that care for me as humans themselves. Mm -hmm. It's not something you think about when you're in pain. No. You're just so self, like when you're in pain, you're just so selfish. You, you just think about you. <laughs> But recognizing even my, my daughter had a surgery a couple of years ago. Um, it was like a full on, like she was 16, 16. And it was like a full on, she had um, scoliosis really bad. And they did full on back surgery, like rods and screws and like all those things. And the nurses who cared for her for the, you know, five days or whatever that she was in the hospital afterwards were, were just amazing people at taking care of her when she was just in so much pain and couldn't understand. And as a parent watching it, I'm assuming you've done lots of this in your own work, right? 
as a parent watching it and not being able to do anything really about it. Oh, having an expert walk into the room and know what to do about it and be calm, which I was not great at, was a huge deal. Huge, huge deal. So, and that, that, you know, I talk a lot about critical care because that's, you know, where my background is, but the reality is it's the most important moments of our lives that nurses are there for, whether that's delivering a baby, the most joyous, whether that's discharged home after, you know, oncology treatments, there's some really exciting events that nurses are there to support you through and that are, you know, really cheering you on. I'm sure when your daughter got discharged, everyone's so excited. So it's those, those high moments of impact that nurses are there for. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. How do, how do people get in touch with you? How do they join? How do they join? How, <laughs> like what's the website even? Yep. Yeah. They can follow us um, on Instagram at come assemble or um, the website is comeassemble.com. Awesome. Yeah. And they can always reach out to me directly. I love meeting other nurses. Yeah. And even as like a non-nurse, cause I follow you, I enjoy the content cause you're sharing a lot about like how to care for yourself. And it's an important, it's a lot of important lessons that way too. Like I appreciate nurses. So I enjoy, and I was following you and stuff, but I was like, Oh, there's some really good lives and videos that you're doing that are just like helpful information for people too. Oh, I appreciate that. Hey, thanks so much for giving us your time. Yeah. Thanks guys. It was a great conversation. Nice to see you, Tara. Yeah, great you too. Together. Alrighty. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us. If this episode or the podcast has been helpful to you in any way, it would mean so much to us if you would take just 30 seconds to do one or all of these three things. First, follow or subscribe to the Unpacked podcast. This helps you never miss an episode and it goes right to your device and it helps us so more people can find it too. To do this, head to the show page on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Then just look for the follow or the plus sign and click it. It's so important to us and it would mean so much. And hey, while you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a review, preferably five star, and share an episode with a friend that you found helpful, we would be so grateful. We are so, so grateful for this little online community. And if you're looking for more ways to support or exclusive content, you can head to our Patreon account and you can find that in the link in our bio. Again, thanks for listening.